Check it out. Welcome to Generation, the podcast from a Generation X point of view, brought to you by Twisted Little Known. Join us as we discuss everything from the mundane to the insane with your hosts, Jeff, Russ, and Snapper. Welcome, everybody. This is Generation. I am your host, Jeff, and I've got my friends here, Snapper and Russ. How you doing, guys? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Excellent. That's good to hear. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we were last here. We had a good lively discussion last time. So this week looks to be a little bit on the lighter side, but probably not without controversy. I've sort of thought a lot about your topic, Russ, that we'll be getting to in just a little bit. And I've sort of fielded a few things with my wife to try to get centered what some of the difference was. And I came up with a clear difference between generations, and I can't wait to mention it to everybody. And we're going to also dive into, let's see, what was your topic a little bit snapper i've already lost the lgbtq views 80s versus today culture culture that's pretty topical considering the things the supreme court decided today so but before we get started let's talk a little bit about what's going on so uh, what's going on both in the world and with ourselves? Let's kind of talk a little bit about uh, what we've been up to the last couple of weeks since we last met. Uh, I'll start off. Things have been pretty much you know, exciting yet not exciting. Uh, nothing on the job front yet. I've uh, had some good conversations, but that's the way the economy is right now. So we're going to keep plugging away at that looking for. So if you need a product manager or a product owner, give me a call. Other than that, we've been working in the garden and getting things uh uh, situated, getting our first early tomatoes, which is always nice. Um, so she's, my wife's been enjoying a lot of those things, watching the blueberries um, do their thing. So that's nice. And we are moving into time for vacation. So in fact, we'll probably have a couple weeks off here as all of us go on different vacations. How about you, Russ? What have you been up to? Uh, actually, got to see Connor, my son, uh, for the first time since right at the beginning of COVID, we went up and visited him in his driveway, like in March. He came down and, and visited last week for a few days, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, speaking of our garden, we've got, uh, well, we've we've harvested a bunch of radishes so far. And we... Our blueberries are just starting to turn, so probably within the next week we're going to start harvesting that. Um, and, oh, what else? Oh, and vacations come. Oh, I, I actually went into my office for the first time um, since uh, March as well. And that was actually the first time I had worn long pants <laughs> since March as well. So, um, But it was just for uh, half a day and... I'll probably still be working from home for at least the next, you know, six to eight weeks. Okay. How about you, Snapper? What's been up, man? Uh, You know, kind of stuck to the TV watching the uh, riots, considering we have some our own homegrown riots. And uh, those have been getting kind of um, cheeky the last few days, to say the least. And uh, watching it burn. But... I don't have a garden except I've got a deer. I've got a bunch of deer. And uh, now the deer, in addition to eating everything we plant and uh, monkey grass and uh, all our uh, beautiful succulents, uh, they now just um, they stare our dogs down. 
you know, I got those three little little dudes, and uh, they stare them down. And then they just kind of walk over the fence and just stand in our backyard. And uh, they started doing that last week, last week, and I let Josie out, and I guess she didn't notice the deer, or the deer just came in. Uh, there was a deer corgi fight in my backyard, <laughs> which consisted of the corgi running t- to the deer and the deer kind of, I don't know, trying to get away or jumping on her because uh, the corgi started screaming and yelling and got underneath the, the deer. And I ran outside and the deer bolted and knocked over a wrought iron bench we have and tripped on. It was just like a, it was a sad, sad state of affairs. And Josie, she just got up and ran, ran up and was just panting and she was covered in dirt and hoof prints and, uh, you know, just didn't bother her at all. Like she just had the greatest time of her life. So, um, we, um, we are officially a deer petting zoo now. I think you can get Lyme disease, can't you? Or is that yeah, ticks? you probably could. You, you can get it, but, you know, uh, I think I already have Lyme disease. At least that's that's what uh, the Internet told me. Well, the Internet knows. The Internet's yes. never, ever wrong. Turns out Lyme disease is now in, in, the, in the alternative health sections of the Internet. Lyme disease is probably what you really had. It's not gluten sensitivity. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's pretty it, it, it's pretty rough what it can do to your body. But uh, yeah, you have to leave your house most of the time to get Lyme, <laughs> to get Lyme disease, especially from ticks. Yeah. Exactly. All righty. Well, excellent. Glad to hear everyone is doing well. So I tell you what, let's dive right on in. Three, two, one. Okay, our first topic tonight, a little bit lighter fare, uh, although I definitely got lots of thoughts about this one. So I'm going to, Russ, I'm going to let you kick it off since this is your topic this week. Tell us what you're thinking. The difference between social interaction in the 80s and 90s, we can include the, the 90s as well, and basically pre-internet culture uh, uh, with today. Social, just social interaction. Social interaction. I mean, yeah. think about, uh, you know, we used to go to the malls. Uh, we used to go out to the movies. We used to meet our friends. And now it's like, well, now we're not allowed to leave the house, essentially. But even before that, everything was online. Everyone stayed in and played video games. Uh, we ordered all of our stuff. I mean, grocery stores, we still have to go out. My thinking is... Is it when they, whenever they uh, perfect uh, grocery delivery across the board, like Amazon does with all other products, people will never leave the house. Um, it's it's I think it's caused a lot of problems with. I think it could. I, I'm not going to say it's the root of a lot of the problems we're having right now. But it certainly is a contributor. When we're not interacting with people on a regular basis, face to face, I think that it can it can be a detrimental factor with uh, um, relations between people. I agree. Except the only thing I would uh, want to get numbers on is whether or not the uh, 
assumption is true that the kids, you know, the kids today um, are interacting with each other face-to-face less than a pre-internet culture. Um, And I can't answer to that because, unfortunately, I do not have children. Um, But whether teenagers... See, I can I can tell you what mid twenties are doing because I work with them, uh, but they're adults working a professional job. So the extent of their interaction is is we go out to like a you know a bar, restaurant, or something like that to do a social thing once every two or three weeks, and so they have their own lives. But uh, that's a, that's that's the adults, you know. Once you reach a certain level as an adult, you you plan stuff like that. But with the kids, I don't know, Jeff. I mean, you I got an eighteen-year-old. Well, I think you're right because what I have found, at least from a professional standpoint, is first and foremost they are communicating through social media platforms, and they like to make fun of the olds uh, using you know archaic things like email and whatnot. But once they make that transition out of college into their professional lives and they see what the purpose of email is and they see how social media uh, might have its place in their professional lives, that it, it, they end up building these dual lives like we all did. But, you know, Russ, uh, to some of your points earlier, as I was thinking about it, is you're right. What we, what we lost was getting together. And I watched my son go through those periods where he was – only online, only over Discord, but bit by bit, they get to the point um, where um, they get to a point to where they realize they do still want that face-to-face, or at least he and his friends have started forcing themselves to go out and see each other. I think the pandemic in a lot of ways has probably broken some of the social media. But I don't want to lose fa- um, I don't want to lose focus on what you were talking about, the difference between when we were growing up and then. Uh, I think it's one of the first things is, is you didn't know what your friends were up to at all times, unless you were on the phone constantly and never hung it up. You didn't know what your friends were up to. So there was like this certain amount of mystery. But what I also don't re- remember, Russ, is I spent many nights at your house where I just never went home and just ended up staying with you for a night or two. And that's kind of, we don't really do that very not much anymore. Not in a sexual way. No, no definitely just, not in that way. But, when, you know, there were uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaigns that lasted all night long, chaos sometimes at those. But um, that yeah, today now everything ends up having to be scheduled. And I wonder if social media contributes to how, scheduled everything is because everything uh, you have to communicate with people you talk to them you chat with them and then you bring them over and everyone has to take pictures so i'm not going to say that it's worse it's simply different and we haven't yet figured out how to really fold it in unfortunately people have got a lot of time on their hands and they've shifted from watching tv all you know all night long to looking at their phones so i don't know they know the difference between social media and just entertainment well you know social interaction is something that in the past, prior to the internet age, was always something that happened very early on. Socialization between kids, conflict resolution, uh, you know, the 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 trade-offs when it came to dealing with people in a face-to-face. It's like when you put that off until adulthood, you're really at a disadvantage. And it really is fundamentally changing the way that 
we interact with each other. I mean, just from a business standpoint, we see the collapse of retail businesses across the, the country, probably across the world as well, because people, you know, aren't leaving their house and aren't all of the money is going to smaller and smaller number of businesses. It's, it, it's causing even more problems with with the uh, um, uh, wealth disparities. I think because of the, the the money that people would spend in this social arena. I mean, just specifically mm-hmm. like uh, stores and stuff. Uh, I, I hate that. I hate what you're saying because it's true and it makes me upset because. The wife and I were driving around Alpharetta, uh, right up near here. Alpharetta, before the crash, had, had spent the past 10 years transforming, rebuilding, and building a new, a whole new downtown, small little town. But they're like, we're going to return to what it was at the turn of the 20th century, that awesome architecture. And they did, and they finished it like this year. And when you drive into Alpharetta, it's like a little like a little Epcot and uh, they got free parking deck. Uh, they got, it's just filled with nothing but restaurants and diners and bodegas and bars. And it's a, it is a walking community town. And I'm like, please, I hope they survive. Cause that is what I wanted the trend to go to, which is let's go all go out and walk around and spend about three hours out in a town, a little community. And Georgia's really good about that. We've no, got Woodstock did that a couple of years ago. Ackworth did that. They, and Sandy Springs is in the, is, well, in that is area where you took me to uh, where your, where that record store was. I mean, a, a lot of those little neighborhoods keep getting built, but social media right. could inform that, that sort of business model as well. I, I think that they found oh, it hard. down here. Yeah, um, was it Pittsburgh? Right. Is that what it was? Um, or Carborough? Oh, or... oh yeah. I, I think I, th- I actually I'm going to take a, a contrary view, which is the social interaction pre-internet involved, like you said, Jeff, we hung out at each other's house. We went to a movie. We did this. But we was always your posse. Okay, you're young, you're in in school, you gravitate toward a social circle, you get accepted, they haze you, whatever. You you have a posse, a group of friends, and you do everything. Now, pre-internet is if they were not around a phone, uh, they had to check their answering machine, or you just made made an agreement at school, all right, see you there at 8 o'clock. You know, everyone agreed. You got messages to everyone. You, you did it the hard way uh, because we just didn't have the phones back then. Uh, today, I think that still happens within your own posse, your own group. If you want to go out and, and you hang and you go to these cool places. But I think with social interaction being online with the social media, I think what it is is now they're – click is a lot bigger and they are interacting with people it's not face to face yeah the, but they're having in reality when back in different. the 80s we didn't interact with hundreds of people we interacted with 12 or fewer in our social group but how meaningful are those interactions Good when point. you're dealing with 
hundred people instead of like a small handful. Yeah. And no, I'm saying they're both happening at the same time now. They're not meant to be meaningful. If they are, they can be. But if I've still got my social circle, the 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 friends that I will always talk to post college and then share pictures when we're in our forties. Those are the ones that I'm talking about, the ones you gravitate toward. Wonder, um, but everything else, I think, is just extra, is gravy. I wonder if what the, the difference is, is that I wonder if the kids do know this, and they know it instinctually, that, uh, that there are two types of conversations they are having. There's their private Snapchat um, session with their friends and individuals and groups, and then there's that larger social media, and that they understand that, uh, you know, almost intrinsically, that that's... That's that pose, that's that face, that eminence front that, that we all give to other people, that they give that on their general social media. But then I hear what you're saying, Russ, because I kind of agree with you, and that's because uh, you, you and I have kids and we have sons to boot, is that um, a lot of these young people's identities, they are, they, they are at least initially pulling from this social media group, and we see how that can be bad. But, oh, in yeah. some, but in some ways, it's great that they're taking advantage of it because they always have somebody on tap. They don't have to worry that if they call a friend's house at 2 in the morning, the father's going to answer and scream into the phone. They can talk oh, directly. Oh, my God, that's right. They can do that. But So there are differences. <laughs> but it is definitely, um, it is definitely I think, causing – these are different children. I guess what I'm saying is these are different children. These are the mm. children already that got uh, trophies – and whatnot for doing everything. So I understand. Don't that, I, I know, but what it also ends up doing is these are the same kids that want likes and they want thumbs ups and they want checks and they want all those things on their social don't media. Don't forget, don't forget, if you look at Instagram, they're not all solo. They're doing stuff with their friends because of that well, culture of look at me, look at me, look at me. Curated. Do what? I'm a lot of that, sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. A lot of that is carefully curated. Oh, yeah, the algorithms definitely, and that's why I try to just sort by most recent rather yeah, than... Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying that um, social... Okay, the kids today with the internet and the social interaction is far more complex than what we had to deal with and the fact that, yes, we cared about what our friends thought. Right. We, had a, we had a click. We had social uh, circles that overlapped, and you were different things to different groups of people. Right. You had, and in some cases, I had different names <laughs> with different social circles. And uh, that, you know, that was, that's normal. Today, take that and I think make it far more nuanced because of what social media has done. I've, I've done, look, I've done my fair share of social media interaction. I'm, oh, you know, yeah. I have a presence on all sorts of different platforms. I've played online games yeah. quite a bit. But the fact that we had a basis in traditional social interaction from a very young age I don't know if we know the full ramifications of how that is for kids growing into adults that never had that level of interpersonal relationship. And you can't you can't really equate an online relationship to a in-person relationship. You know what I, I mean? agree. You can't. Doesn't mean it's anything less meaningful for certain people. Well, right? when I when I said less meaningful, I mean that if you're spread that thin and you're having these other interactions with all these other people, it leaves less time for the, the important 
meaningful relationships. You know what I'm saying? So maybe having that much choice isn't such a good thing. No, I, I agree completely. I, I think that um, having the in, the inability to have the other two parts, I think, that uh, social inter- interaction face-to-face can give you, you lose the smell. Well, you lose the smell and you potentially lose the ability to get body language and whatnot. You Otherwise, you still have the words and sometimes you can have the voice. So you can still have some I mean, of that. When I, look, when I go out, and Jeff, you can uh, attest to uh, inside the perimeter in your area, um, and the outside of the perimeter, when I go to these places, these little villages, these uh, that have popped down, these shake and bake villages, um, it's you know it's quite populated with people of all ages, um, mainly people my age and in their thirties, but a good deal of younger people. Not anything like you know we used to see at the malls. I mean, malls are going away. And that's a shame because I got some of my best memories are at the mall. But um, I, I think every we now officially have a generation that has was born with the internet and was raised on the internet. So, what's going to happen? What's happening now with the the new kids, the seventeen, eighteen year olds? Are they are they going to rebound? Kind of like a, you know, a natural correction, uh, maybe an overcorrection, because you know, in five years it could be all the rage that no one has phones and they just wear an earbud, you know, because they were like, yeah, we were getting too stuck in our screens, so we got rid of them, and then ten years later it all comes back. We are a consumer-driven society, and that informs how we interact with each other. I loved to have had this shit while I was in college. <laughs> it's funny you brought up the. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, you brought up the uh, the malls. They were probably having similar conversations like this in the seventies when malls were starting to take all the all the traffic foot traffic away from the downtown areas. Oh yeah, oh, from the you can, you can find your exact same argument w- uh, about the newspapers of uh, people riding on the train. Right. I've seen I've seen uh, political cartoons with captions uh, from that era. You know, with people talking, they don't ever talk to each other. They've got their nose in their newspapers. <laughs> well, on, on another more serious note, I mean, with my son, I, it was a little more difficult for him because, you know, we're divorced mm. and he was living with his mother, his mother primarily, and she lived out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, and he had only had very, very little. I mean, he, had, he was at school, but when it came to do anything else, it's like he, she it's, had to take him, but it wasn't that often. And I think that an overabundance of online time, screen time, I think he it's left him like uh, a little bit deficient in matters of interpersonal relationships, yeah. understanding so, uh, social cues, body language, nuance, and you know, uh, hopefully he can overcome that as he gets older and actually is having more social interaction. But I think it's. I think it's a deficit to start out with. As, as it is, you know, working working the uh, Dragon Con every year, uh, I'd see hundreds, thousands of people just like that that they've spent and they spend all of their lives inside on the internet playing video games. Now, a lot of them do that because they they may be on the spectrum 
and uh, and a virtual group is as good as they are going to get in their particular case. And in that case, that is very good because these are people that cannot even figure out social interaction. That's just not part of the uh, spectrum possibility. So online for them is, you know, far more than people like them had in all the generations leading up to this. But that's the exception. Well, we had people on the spectrum before the Internet, right? Correct. They all shut-ins, were they? No. Well, that's why it's called a spectrum. It, uh, right. Maybe the fact that we have this other outlet for them delays that being able to overcome the, the fact that they're on the spectrum. It could right? be. I but let's be honest. Yeah, people treated them like shit. They oh, treated God. them like total treated shit. shit. They treated me like shit. They treated Jeff like shit, too. Yeah, I mean, but, people yeah, Jeff's an asshole. So. We only got bullied at school. We're not getting bullied 24-7 by by anonymous people on the Internet, you know? Right. That That's the so, problem. And that's the problem I have with a lot of the Internet as well, is that the anonymity, which we all thought was so wonderful because it would allow us to speak truth to power, empowers – I mean, not just basic bad human behavior. It empowers oh, us yeah. to then set up robots to do it for us. So, uh, and I, I agree. I think it has slowed them down a bit. But to Snapper's point, Tinder, wow, that would have been nice. But outside of that, um, yeah. it, it does contribute to the... I never so, got to use Tinder. Neither did I. Um, but my, I was a theater major. We didn't but I know people Tinder. who have, and I'm just like, wow. And they're, they're like, why wouldn't we? But yes, that's the, also the problem is that uh, my son's realizing that there's a lot you can't get. Uh, he met a girl before, you know, as quarantine happened, chatted with her a lot during quarantine, but they were unable to ever actually meet. And so then they kind of lost interest. So in a lot of ways, it's good for that. So there's not a lot of bodily fluids exchanged before you lose interest. But it's also bad because you can just jump in and out of these things uh, without much thought. But let's be honest. If, if we had the ability, we were jumping in and out of beds in college as well. So what this does is let's just say like all things we incorporate it into our everyday lives. We find some way to make space for it and find the best use for it as a tool. And the best use for it is you're, you're right. For those who are all maybe on the spectrum that could have – benefited from more tactile and more inclusion type uh, arrangements, they would be getting more, I think, out of the old way. But to their point also, we did sort of compartmentalize them and stick them in in rooms. Uh, so maybe it wasn't so good. But to the original point about social media, yes, I think it's actually slowing our kids down. I think a lot of things are slowing them down so that they don't mature until they are much later. Um, we can argue on another podcast about whether or not that's good because I have a whole theory about why society is making our kids younger and younger when they're the same age as we were. But I think that social media does enable us to keep them younger for too long. What were you going to say? I just want to remind everyone that this was the light topic. <laughs> well, I, I knew it would go on longer because no, uh, wow. because uh, once you realize that the gamification of almost mind. everything, I think that drives it. I mean, let's be honest. We love to make the bell go off. We love to make the ding, ding, ding. We love to win at the slot machine. And social media gives us all of that. They give us the little scratchy on the back and say they liked your post. Those people it's built into their algorithms. It, exactly. And because of that, can they really help it? The rats and the monkeys are going to keep punching that button to get cocaine because it gives them cocaine. So, I'll tell you, uh, because of that, that's, that's one of the reasons why I switched to Twitter 
and because I set Twitter to only show me the people on my list in uh, the order that they that they tweeted, uh, and Facebook, I missed so much on Facebook with friends getting married, friends dying, uh, and missing announcements and things like that. That uh, because Facebook just decided I'm only going to show you. 10 posts from this one obscure friend you had. Yeah, their news feed, I, it always set resets to top stories. You yep, can yes, set the most recent, mm-hmm. but it automatically, by the end of the day, it changes it back. It's yeah. like, why do I have preferences if you won't let me set them? I agree. I agree. So, screw the algorithm. Screw the algorithm. <laughs> Go out. You know, the cool thing, and I'm going to end it on this, you're right about location is a, is a, is a factor. Uh, growing up in a, in a shitball town like Henderson or, or the small North Carolina towns that I lived in, um, today is probably one of the biggest factors of uh, social media addiction and internet addiction and stunted growth. I, I am blessed to live in, a, in a, this metropolis of Atlanta somewhere along the perimeter because any time of the day, we can go to these uh, these centers of, I don't know, fun. And it's like, it's every kind of restaurant. It's every kind of street food. It is it is like an Epcot. We, you know, this state has done very well financially. And so we have these places that, you know, at Christmas, it's the uh, skating rink. And I can get some uh, an Indian falafel wrap and covered in tzatziki. Or I can play golf in a multi-million dollar facility and have beers and tacos there. You know, it's crazy. But if I didn't live here and I lived in Newton Conover in North Carolina, I could see myself being 100%, you know, part of that world, that digital world, because uh, there's not that much to do. Jeff, it's time for dinner. I'll be there soon. I need to finish off this generation. Wait. What? My generation. I didn't really need to know that. Welcome back, everybody. We took a small break to wet our whistles and get ready for the bigger conversation, which will probably be about the same size. So I hope you're hungry. Our next topic is courtesy of Snapper here. Snapper, why don't you lead us through your next topic? The 80s. LGBTQ did not exist as an acronym. It was homosexual. It was gay. It was uh, various other epithets. Uh, Obviously, today, we are woke. We do not use those. But back in the 80s and into the 90s, um, whether or not you were totally cool and progressive, and, hey, I got gay friends, I don't care, the... It was still socially acceptable, like when in movies and stand up and everything to use the same uh, bad language when referring to gay people. It was okay for a stand up comedy to, and a stand up comedian to make gay jokes. It was very common 
Of course, we had entire sitcoms that revolved around one person who was gay. And that was that was the MacGuffin. That was the whole basis, you know, from Three's Company to, um, well, oh, uh, Soap. Well, he was uh, pretending Bill, to be gay. Yeah, uh, Billy Crystal's character. Well, we he was gay. That was it. Oh, yeah, he was. But, yes, um, Jack Tripper, is that what his name was? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the the whole notion there, and that that was there wasn't that many representation of gay people. Uh, do you remember? Okay, what was that movie with Ryan O'Neill? And uh, oh, we heard, so fine. No, no, not so fine. It was another one where he was an undercover cop in the in the gay scene to find someone who was killing gay people. Well, and Al Pacino and, had a movie like that too. So who Al Pacino also had a movie like that. Yeah. Dog day afternoon. Dog day afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's, that's uh, based on a real a true story. Right, yeah, the, a, um, his, that was a totally different kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, this movie with Ryan Reynolds was, I mean, that Ryan Reynolds, Ryan O'Neill was, he was an uh, undercover cop. And uh, there was someone going around killing all the gay people in San Francisco. So he had to be gay. And they paired him up with, uh, I think, is uh, William Hurd. Who's the war doctor? That's William Hurt. Yes. He, oh, okay. John, no, he John was guy. Hurt. It says Ryan O'Neill and John Hurt. Yeah. Partners. Yeah. yeah. I do Partners. remember it. Yes. At the very end, John Hurt's character gets shot and he's dying. And so Ryan O'Neill has to you know, stick with me, buddy. Yes. Yeah. Well, they I, in that movie, part one of the jokes was... Um, his undercover car was a very pink and gayified Volkswagen Beetle. And he had to learn to be gay and talk gay and walk gay. And I have no they, recollection of this movie. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a comedy. And it was like, oh, see, it's funny because he has to pretend to be gay. You know, like it was some crazy. It was like infiltrating a furry convention, you well, know, and, and, uh, and that the, was how they treated it. The Al Pacino movie is the exact opposite because it's serious. It's pure at, drama. At the <laughs> end of it, you. Well, it's kind you, of a dark comedy uh, the elements to it as well. Well, at the end of it, it's almost like they, they show him like in a sort of darkened sort of, oh, no, I, now at the end of it, I, I can't stop being gay. I'm, I might think I might be gay. and But they played it off as almost like, oh, he stayed too long in the community and now he got the gay on him. And I, What? Yeah, if you, if you watch it again, the way it ends, after he has solved the murders and he's kind of, it's, it's like he's retrospectively thinking about all the things he's done. I think if I remember at the time, and of course I need to see it, all he's getting is the flashes in his mind of all the different scenes he saw in, in gay clubs. Okay, and, I thought you were talking about, I thought you were talking about the Al Pacino movie. Again. Yes, no, I am. I am. And at the end, Dog Day Afternoon? Then it's not Dog Day Afternoon. It'll be something different. Um, I was about to say, because that's not Dog Day Afternoon. I'll look look at it as we're going. And I was bothered by the way it ended when my recollection of it. So I need to see it again so that I can see how, because they handled that totally differently uh, then. But uh, go back to your topic. I don't want to hijack it, Snapper. Too late. No, he. so that that was that's an example. Um, even in the in the mid eighties, when it started to become because of the gay uh, because of the AIDS epidemic, um, really starting in the eighties, I remember various shows um, like L.A. Law. 
have you know they would there would be a, a, a procedural where there'd be a cop procedural or, or a law procedural where they would have a storyline about a gay man, and we got to look past the gayness and just you know basically adjudicate this on on fairness and justice and just ignore the fact that he's gay. But he's gay and he's a person too, and yet at the same time. Then they would have a, a sitcom where it's like, oh, he's gay, he's fruity, and the limp wrist and stuff like that, because that was common. I remember being a kid, North Carolina kid, and us going up to Provincetown, and we heard that Provincetown was all gay. And so we did nothing but make gay jokes in the car as children. And I'm mortified that I that I remember that, that... Uh, it was perfect because I knew zero gay people, or rather, I knew zero people who admitted that they were gay. That's probably more likely. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is definitely more likely. Uh, I didn't meet gay people until uh, later, I think, under Rita. Um, so here's one that you probably don't remember. Zorro, or you do remember. Zorro the Gay Blade? Of course. Did you ever see that one, Russ? Oh, yeah, yeah. Although yeah. They, I think they changed it, right? It was just, it took out the gay blade part. Oh, pro- and changed oh, oh the probably. Name of it. Yeah. I don't know. I seem to remember going to the Crown Six and Hickory. No, it was that, but then they changed it, I think, when it was re released or when it came out on HBO or something. That's well, that's, that is a pure example because I remember he had to, it was a, it was a pink, I mean, his, his, if I remember correctly, there was a scene. Where um, the Zorro outfit was pink and had little balls dangling from the hat, and huh, I gotta see this just to see how um, ludicrous it would be received today. Well, I mean, I remember from a young age. I mean, like Midnight Express. It wasn't about a gay character, but there was certainly a gay character in the film and there was Midnight Express is that the uh the Turkish prison movie <laughs> why does that sound like a line from airplane it is this <laughs> you watch Turkish prison movies <laughs> you like films about gladiators buddy well you know you look at it you know, what, of course what's acceptable today uh, what's not acceptable today. Uh, I mean, we do, whether it be with cancel culture, whether you agree with it or not, whether it be um, going back and looking at people's previous tweets from eight years ago, 10 years ago, and and seeing, you can see, like, they just fired an actor from the show Flash the other day. And uh, he was he was one of the regulars, ensemble. And he was a funny guy. And then they're like, until someone dug up all of his old tweets. And they're horrible. And I can't tell whether or not they're the results of a young comic slash actor trying to find his voice funny-wise. Because you see that a lot on Twitter. It's like a proving ground for their, for, for their jokes. And then, you know, because that's what happened to James Gunn where people would lay down their careers for James Gunn 
then, you know, after they found all those tweets from him from 10 years ago, where he would just make really tasteless jokes. Yeah, pedophile jokes. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you look at him and you go, all right, I can see where you are doing the shock comedy. And then you look at, like, the guy that they fired the other day, you go, mm, I don't know if this is shock comedy or you're just a really terrible person. Because he did some terrible, said some terrible things that you would think was just a dude from from the south just being a jerk and uh so he he got axed well that goes back to social media with our first topic is that uh you know i was told early on that i should check my son's social media feed which i didn't spend a lot of time doing at all i would say things like i'm not going to try and stop you from making mistakes but you can make mistakes if you say these things. And they would say things that their friends didn't care about. And he had mostly um, black friends. So he would say things that they would say around each other. And only now he's beginning to understand, oh, right, I get it. <laughs> I get it now. What you say to your friends is not necessarily what you say in front of other people. But even still, now the topic being about um, yeah, LGBTQ, uh, it's really only been in the last two or three years when uh, I think the Brits do it better. The Brits, at least as far as uh, Doctor Who, they've been very inclusive for years. Uh, and I just find that uh, they seem to be they, – they seem to care. They give a few fewer fucks what people think. And, but it, they also have at the after 10 o'clock hour. So their, their movies and their, their specials have always been a little bit more risque after 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. The watershed I mean, hour. they have their own problems, but uh, – and. Uh, as far as uh, how woke they are, I don't know right now who can be the most wokeness as a country, but they have certainly, when it comes to television and, and portrayal of sex, have, uh, I mean, they got a long history of uh, Benny Hill type sexy humor on their oh, television. And Russell T. Davies wrote uh, Coupling. and uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's done I a mean, lot of stuff like that. But so. with LGBTQ, I mean, hell, I remember when there it was just uh, LGB <laughs> in college, and I remember having so to learn more, what that yeah. was. You know, lesbian, gay, and bisexual. Okay, that's cool. And then they added uh, Q and T later on. So I'm like, you guys are going to need to come up with a word because that's now turning into a 12-syllable. It's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, because I... I actually I can't remember the letter uh, order, so uh, I screw it up a hundred percent of the time. So Man, <laughs> I, mean, I heard I heard not too long ago that they were upset that the rainbow flag didn't include enough colors. I'm like, come on, yeah. Can well, we just say this this encompasses everything? Yeah. Well, that's and, what and they're going to, and that's what do. we're going to get to. We will eventually. That's get practical. To um, that's practicality. Uh, I I think we grew a lot. We grew a lot, and I'm trying to think of when that was, because I clearly remember in 1985 being in a class and having to be shown one of the official, I think it was government-provided uh, uh, tapes. So this was a film canister, actually, uh, on the AIDS Boop. epidemic. And I remember hearing my teacher just saying under her breath, just going, well, they all deserve to die. <laughs> just like, holy shit. That blew my mind then as a kid. I'm like, why? What in the world? And just, uh, th that was in 85, and the teachers were like that. But 
Um, Some teachers. I wouldn't say all teachers. No, no. My teacher was. Uh, she was the only one I ever heard say anything out loud. But the fact that she did, I was like, oh, Christ. And now that I think about it, if I remember correctly, she was also the, the, the uh, she was also a coach, and this was her one regular class she taught. So maybe. if it were health class, yeah, that would be the coaches. But, <laughs> yeah. but, I seem to remember from, in retrospect, I had several uh, female gym coaches that they definitely were gay. You just did. You just you right, know exactly. who you're talking about. I didn't so. know, but I mean, in retrospect, I'm like, I know exactly who you're talking about. So, no, no, to, well, from high school, I can't remember. I'm I'm thinking back like elementary school oh, before okay, I okay. to North Carolina. I remember in, we had a French teacher in high school who was you know obviously gay, but everyone loved him anyway because he was such a cool dude. So it was like, oh yeah, Mister Mister Such and Such. Oh, he's totally gay. Yeah, but he's cool gay. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, our was, Spanish teacher in the in the school I taught at. Uh, it certainly gave off the vibe, and the, and what I hope now is that none of them feel like they have to keep who they are from themselves. But yeah. with today's court ruling, uh, that at least seems to sort of put a nail in that coffin. And I believe you were chatting with me earlier, Snapper. Does that it has ruling major also major ramifications? Doesn't it cover um, military as well, or do you? Well, the the thing is this: uh, now that it's been ruled as part of Title Seven. And it extends to trans, uh, so you, for gay and trans, that is a legal protection under the Civil Rights Act. So therefore, uh, the Health and Human Services ruling uh, is unenforceable and is immediately subject to uh, a lawsuit. So they're going to have to drop that and the military ban on transgender because you can't just because it's the military, you can't just ignore federal law, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, civil rights law. And yeah. uh, so and they didn't want to want the ban anyway. The military was already in place to now, implement now to make sure trans. We're, now, we're just talking huh? about the ability to fire or discriminate against based upon yes, that identity. But, but it doesn't give them any additional rights. Uh, right. No, but those those two that I just mentioned are will be directly affected by this ruling. Does this because, extend to other kin? To what is an other kin? Uh, people who uh, are identify as trans species. No. Okay. No. no. I guess you got to trans transgender, and not trans species. But. If you do identify, I, you know, and in a lot of ways, I really think it rather than this being as much as pro transgender and pro gay, it, it's really more along the lines of not um, not spending a lot of time kicking people out of things or filtering people out simply because it it bothers you some aspect of them. In the end, uh, depending upon a right to work state, you know, typically you don't need to have a reason, but. Uh, it just gives them the protection that if they feel that it was simply because of who they express themselves as, not necessarily that they are creating a nuisance at work or demanding extra benefits. Um, but a right to work state, m most definitely, up until today, right. allowed them to fire you specifically for being gay. So it narrows those fireable offenses. So you, if you're a terrible worker, you can still be fired. It, it Look. If they want to fire somebody, they can come up with any, in a, especially in a right-to-work state. They can fire you oh, yeah. for anything. So they're not going to say, oh, I fired him because he was gay. They'll come up with another excuse. True. Yeah. 
that's you know that's always been the case. I mean, the, for for black people, for Jewish people, for everyone, that's always been the case. Right. Well, one thing Americans well, do best, for anybody. <laughs> Americans, I've been fired for no reason. Yeah, I I, I have not. I, I've I've been very fortunate. Um, well, I guess this last time I was I was simply my position was eliminated, but you know I I think that this settles a lot of arguments. I think it'll settle a lot of um, litigations, and I think it's the right way to go because well, the uh, only way for it to stop being as big an issue is for there not to be something to litigate constantly about. I think there is on. no. I mean, look, the, the is, there's a lot more than just uh, uh, employment uh, issues. Here, because a civil rights um, amendment or Title Seven, you know, has very specific uh, things. You know, there are other there are ramifications for this, which is religious institutions like hospitals that are Catholic hospitals or something like that, uh, universities like Liberty University, and just plain old churches. They can no longer, uh, you know refuse to hire gay people or fire uh, gay people. So therefore, um, if a church is saying, you can't make me not hire a gay person like Kim Davis did uh, a couple years ago. I think think your negatives got a little out of order, but I think I know what you mean. No, I'm going somewhere. Okay. If you, if, if a church says, I'm going to keep on uh, with our policy of not hiring gay people because it goes against our beliefs. Then um, the federal government can say, well, then you don't get tax exempt status because you are violating federal law and federal and the and an amendment. So in the Constitution, so you don't get tax-exempt status. So I think you're going to see those kind of fights coming up, especially with places like Liberty U, which, uh, you know, is a big fat target by a lot of people who hate them. Um, Maybe Catholic institutions, I think they'll probably uh, move along uh, just fine. But uh, I think there's going to be a big fight on this for for religious institutions. I think we saw it. We saw it with uh, gay marriage. People who are currently employed will feel more comfortable expressing themselves, and so they won't be able to fire them. But they'll they'll do everything they can to not hire them to begin with. So. Uh, yeah, especially I mean, health benefits alone. When, when federal contractors could be uh, denied medical care just because they were gay or trans. You know, transgender, no health care. Why is that? Why, you know, that condemns people to death if you take away their health care, especially diabetic, uh, you know, any number of things that a regular, uh, you know, that there's anyone needs for their health care. So there are a lot of ramifications. Uh, bringing it back around to, to my original topic, um, we are in a watershed. You know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, we improved with the uh, how we treat it in so in in uh, television, movies, that kind of thing, to our government, to everything else. Now it's to the point where we're no longer just wanting to be represented. We we now want the full franchise. 
and we're going to demand it. Not we, the royal we. The royal we. Any parting thoughts on this, uh, Russ? Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, the, the fact that you said that this doesn't extend to other kin, I was being a little tongue-in-cheek, but it will well, be. They I've will push that. for that. They will push for it. Now, for and you see, you, now you're getting into whether transgender is a thing or not. No, and, uh, no, no, there are certainly trans people. There are certain. No, 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 no. Uh, to the, hold on. The talking point to say, well, when are they going to say, I want to be a furniture? I want to be a rock. You know? <laughs> well, they won't be able to make a case for it because this was right. narrowed just to the sex. And, and go ahead, Russ. I don't want to talk over you. There, there are a lot of people that push for expanding the what the meaning of trans means. Right now, if if they're specifically saying people who are transitioning from one sex to another, and I, I don't know, does that mean uh, that they've had surgery, half a surgery, or no surgery, or they're just say, "Oh, I'm a woman now," even though I have a full beard and dress like a man? I think what I they're will, saying is, I you will, won't be. I will send you, and I will give these out. That this is not, this is not a subject that just appeared within. The, the social circles of coffee houses of gay people. This is, this is a decades-long uh, studied issue in the scientific and medical community that transgender is not just, I wake up one day and I want to be a chick, and so I throw a dress on. It I is, am not saying that. I actually I follow a lot of trans people. I'm I know, saying I that know. there are people that are trying to expand the meaning of that. Of course there are. Is is this new ruling? There are people that think uh, Antifa is a real terrorist organization too, but it doesn't mean that. All right, we won't get started on that. (laughs) I I know. All right, well, I I think that uh, I'd like to interject just one thought. As long as the Uh litmus test is always whether or not you're being discriminated against because because of anything to do with your sex, gender, or sexuality, that's the, that's the test case. If you're being fired because of something about, about your identity, that's really what this is trying to say. You, you know, you're not going to be a bear, even if you dress up as a bear. If they have a rule that you have to be dressed appropriately for the office, you'll probably get fired. But if you but say— But you know what? Here's the thing, Jeff. Here's the thing. If 200 years from now, if society has altered and changed to such a point— that we, that the furries really take over and we want to express ourselves and get legal, you know, that's what the framework of a constitution addresses and along with a social contract because, you know, we all said the exact same things when the, when the black people wanted to be integrated. You know, what's next? Gay people. And then when gay people are like, what's next? Trans? What about trannies? And well, it, it's always what's next. It, that, that's always been used as this, the, the punchback. Does this also cover uh, women's sports? Uh, that is, and then that is a very real issue. I can I can accept that that is a discussion and a worthy discussion, which is if you have someone that is transgender and then they jump on women's a women's sports team, that's essentially a ringer, is what that is. 
Well, right. The, it's like it's like uh, the steroids. It's like steroids. I think we should have the juiced Olympics, and then we should have the non-juiced Olympics. And I don't think we should have gendered. Uh, I, I think the idea of gendered uh, sports teams uh, shouldn't be a thing. Well, but you, that'll be a long may, time. You may have that over time, but there should certainly be. If you can compete in a particular category, regardless of gender, then you should compete in that category. Like so, chess. Like what? Like, like chess. chess. You know, the NFL doesn't exclude women. There's nothing in their charter that says only men can be hired. Right. But, uh, but you're not going to have women play in the NFL. NFL yeah. is both a sports team and a private company. So they may. So they they are subject right. to laws, uh, labor laws. But okay. but they're going to also. But this is pretty simple. In things like this, it's pretty simple. As long as they don't change the rules for qualifying, if you have to perform at a certain level, you, then you have to be able to perform at a certain level. Exactly. You don't, don't bend it, but don't keep people out that can do it. Don't yeah. don't be capricious. That's what the army did with its ranger program. They did not change. The, the rules for becoming a ranger once they started, once they allowed women to be in combat. So, good. Still hard as hell. How yeah. many women got into the ranger program? I think it was like one or two or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, That's, it's hard, yeah. and it should be hard. It's you know what the you rangers. should watch? If you get a chance, watch American Ninja or um, or the Titan Games, whatever the one that The Rock is doing. We picked it up last week. I think it's the... The Titan That's Games. Titan Games. It? That's insane. The woman who won again, pretty, uh, just damn near picks up a, a stone ball and carries she it. She picks up a school and throws it. Well, it was pretty. But uh, what we've learned is if you're short and stocky, then you've got leverage on your side. So you're welcome. There you go. Uh, All righty, folks. Well, you've come to the end of another great episode. At least we think so. I want to thank everybody. So on our way out, let's talk a little bit about what we're doing this week coming up. I am on vacation, so uh, that's all I will be doing and hoping that uh, Snapper keeps check on all of our all of the big social media fans that we have knocking on our door all the time. So other than that, Russ, what are you up to over the next uh, couple of weeks before we meet again? Well, uh, there's Father's Day this weekend, so I may go up to the lake and see Connor. And then the following week, I'm actually going to be, like we discussed, I'm going to be in South Carolina. So may have to either postpone the next um, the next podcast or just you'd have to do it without me, I suppose. No, we'll adjust. Okay. Um, other than that, that's about it. And you, Snapper? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a riot somewhere. I'll probably obsess over that and watch it. Um, I wouldn't mind taking a pop-up to the mountains and drive around, load everyone in the van, and just drive, uh, visit something. I don't know. And I hope that's not code for anything illegal. So, No, we're too far away from the legal states. There you have it. Well, thanks a lot, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. We will come and uh, do this again for you next time. So for this episode, I'm Jeff. I'm Snapper. I'm Rust. (laughs) You've been listening to Generation, a podcast brought to you by Twisted Little Gnome Studios and edited by yours truly, Jeff. Your hosts today were Jeff Morgan, Russ Barbario, and Snapper Morgan.